lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. And we'll be taking you through the latest and greatest in Utah Jazz. I don't know what else to say at that point. It's just like, you know, you know what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about the Jazz. Yeah, I well, I think you went a little too far by saying the greatest. I guess, been... I guess that's true. <laughs> Maybe not the greatest. The second greatest? Can we say that? Um, I even think the word greatest in there just is a little too strong for what uh, has been going on with this team. Okay, we'll just say the latest and we'll just leave it at that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> just leave it at that. The latest and <laughs> mediocreist. I don't know if that's a word or not, but anyway. The latest and a bright spot sometimes. <laughs> bright spot. Yeah, that, that would definitely describe the Jazz as just mediocre and a bright spot. And the one bright spot, obviously, is Donovan Mitchell, because he's been playing very well, and he was recognized for it in December, or at least for his performance in December. Um, it was like January 2nd or 3rd. Uh, they announced that he won the Western Conference Rookie of the Month for December. And Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Jason Tatum who spells his name wrong, was uh, the Eastern Conference uh, he, rookie. He doesn't month. spell it wrong. His parents spelled it wrong. I guess that's true, but he perpetuates that by continuing to spell it wrong. He needs to get it changed. <laughs> and annoys Do, me because... Uh, pull a, pull a uh, run or test. Yeah, change your name. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, it, it annoys me because now that's becoming a much more common spelling... And oh, I'm the way he it, spells Jason, yeah. Yeah, and I'm seeing it in like books and things like that. No, that is not how you spell that. There's no Y in Jason. I, yeah, well, I mean, with the with the times we're living in, I I think uh, being grammatically correct is going by the wayside. <laughs> yes, definitely, I can agree with that. <laughs> we're just coherent sentences to begin with. Yeah, it's just crazy. But, I mean, back to Mitchell, uh, he he led all rookies in the month, and I think we talked about this last time. He led all rookies in the month in points. He had, like, 23.1 points per game and, like, just under four assists, four rebounds. Was shooting very efficiently. So, I mean, definitely a very well-deserved and I think very uh, indicative of a, a bright future. And Absolutely. It yeah, and it wasn't as if he didn't have competition because Kyle Kuzma was really getting hot um, late in the month, too. Because Donovan Mitchell really started off hot, and then he kind of cooled down a little bit. Um, he was still playing really well, but Kyle Kuzma was going off. He was having a few 30-point games, I believe, and uh, you know a bunch of 20-point games, and was really matching Mitchell almost stride for stride in scoring. But obviously Mitchell edged him out, and I think is... Well, I'm biased, but I think he's a better player, but you never know. Yeah, well, I mean, and you could make the argument that, you know, um, Kyle Kuzma is, you know, he he is playing well beyond his years, too. And I think, you know, the I, I don't pay attention to the Lakers because it's the Lakers, but for him to kind of hit his stride and toward, what was it, like the middle or the end of December is 
really awesome for him because I mean, at the end of the day, he, the University of Utah guy, you gotta you gotta root for him. So, yeah, it, it's hard for me though because I'm a Utah State guy. So like, I don't know. Like, ah, the fact that he's from Utah, I, I do, I don't dislike him, um, but it's really interesting how I don't dislike him because he's one from the University of Utah or went there. But he also plays for the Lakers, so I don't know why I don't just hate him. No, right? Well, way. there's those few players that they end up on the Lakers, and I'm like, yeah, I, I can't root for you because you're on that team, but I do like you. Yeah, that that does happen. Some guys, it's kind of like Brook Lopez. He's another guy that I like, and I always wanted. I was just hoping that he would leave the Nets somehow, and they ended up on the Lakers. Yeah, so. and then, then you're like, well, I have to not like you. <laughs> I have to not like you still. <laughs> or, or now, I guess. Because I, I guess I liked him before. or just felt bad for him. That was really the thing. Is I just felt bad for him. Because he was a decent player who wasted his best years of his career for a franchise that was terrible. So Right, and like, just kind of staying allegiant to that franchise, which was really weird. I mean, he had those. What he had that one really good team around him, and that was it. Yeah, just that one or two years with Darren Williams and Joe Johnson and Kevin Garnett and whatever else they hauled off that uh, that Boston trade. Yeah, which at the time was the most expensive roster in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't even that good. No, no. It was like a. Slightly better version of what the Knicks tried to do uh, to the last year or a couple years ago when they signed the basically the old Bulls roster. Mm, yeah. Yeah, with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and all that. Um, but so, I mean, obviously with, with Mitchell, you know, I think the, the December is a really good sign for him. There are some things that I'm starting to worry about with him because he's starting to shoot a little less efficiently. But honestly, that was kind of my expectation. Because when you look at the game, when we're recording this Sunday night, he had 27 points, but he took 25 shots to do it. Um, right, but I will counter that with the fact that all of the great players, they may have bad shooting nights, but they're getting to the line. That means that he was aggressive. And dude, I, I can't even remember what, how many free throws he took, but I think he went to the line at least 10 times. Mitchell? Yeah. Against Miami, he had zero free throws. Or not, oh, I'm sorry. I, for some Everything reason, I thought we were talking about the game prior to this. <laughs> oh, the game prior? Yeah, the the last yeah. game, yeah, he went to the free throw line a bunch. Um, yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, that's fine. But I, I think that is kind of the, the thing with Mitchell is that he is going to put up a lot of these points, and obviously that's a good thing. I think his shooting percentages um, are going to be a little lower than we'd like. But it's not something that I can harp on him too much. Because that's just, he's a rookie, that's going to happen. And those shooting percent percentages will eventually grow. And especially because he's the guy. He's the offense, he's the guy we turn to to be the number one scorer on offense. And especially late in games. Mm -hmm. So there's a little worry that I have. I mean, especially because he seems to like start in the first quarter. And like early in the second quarter, he's like bad. I, I want to find some stats, some splits for like his by quarter shooting, 
But the thing is, he'll, like, turn it on, like, late in the second, into the third, and especially the fourth quarter. Because I was hearing some people talk, and he's, like, he's averaging or almost nine points a game in the fourth quarter, at least in December. And he did that against Miami, where he scored the first, I think, eight or nine points for the Jazz in the third quarter. And just started going off. And then, like, he had eight or ten points at the half, and he finished with 27. So he definitely comes on a lot better late, but I think that is one of the next steps for him uh, is, is to improve the whole game, which I realize now I'm probably being really unfair on him overall. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, he's just like, at the end of the day, he is a rookie. He's going to go through his ups and downs. He's still, you know, he's going to make mistakes. He's and you know, he for the most part, he learns from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's, he is getting a little more trigger happy. He is sometimes shows these flashes of too much confidence. Um, like some of the early plays that he was going to the hole, uh, Whiteside blocked him two different times. Um, and I think that's mostly you can just chalk that up to he's comfortable with the fact that he knows he's going to be getting to the rim and not getting blocked. I think that because of how often he was able to do that, he was like, oh, I got this. And then he was painfully reminded that people that are seven feet tall that are really good defenders are going to shut you down. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have to really go back and look at the teams we've played. I don't know if he's really played a really good rim protector like Whiteside. Whiteside's able to get a lot of blocks. And so I don't know if Mitchell, who's kind of gotten away with some bad habits finishing at the rim, if he's ever had to to face someone who will actually make him pay for not being able to finish at the rim as well as he has been able to. So Yeah, I'm actually looking through the list of games here. I don't think he has other than Whiteside. I mean, he's, they've played Miami twice now, so we're done with them. Um Giannis, I know he's blocked him a couple of times, but he's also not your big man, which is weird saying that because the dude is a freak of nature. Yeah, he's about as tall and as long as, well, taller and longer than a lot of fours and fives. So <laughs> Right. But no, I, all said and done, I mean, with December, um, him re- winning Rookie of the Month and, like you said, Kuzma uh, kind of on his heels to finish out the month, it's going to make an interesting uh, race for the next months and not just the Western Conference, but the Eastern Conference, too. I mean, things are only heating up. But then there is the rookie wall that's going to hit here soon for a lot of rookies. And it'll be interesting to see if that will uh, end up affecting Mitchell. Yeah, you do wonder. And, you know, Ben Simmons kind of already started hitting his wall a little bit, at least in the scoring category. Yeah, I think right mm-hmm. around February, March is when we're probably going to end up seeing guys like Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, maybe Jason Tatum. Maybe Tatum not so much because he doesn't have to handle quite as much of a load because he does have a lot of other good players on the team, whereas Kuzma and Mitchell, you know, their leading scorers on their team, I think Mitchell's the top, and I don't, I don't know if Kuzma's the leading scorer on the Lakers or not. He's up there. But I think it'll hit Mitchell and Kuzma a lot more than it will a guy like Tatum or even Simmons, who's even got some help on his team. So. Yeah, which is, I mean, fortunate for him, man. I mean, I 76ers have been awful for so long because they've just been patient on this rebuild. And 
it's fortunate for him that he does have a bench that can kind of relieve him and do damage. Yeah. And so it, so it'll be interesting to see the the 76ers because that is if they can stay healthy cuz right. basically half their roster is spent a year out <laughs> from from one injury or another. Right, well, and Joel Embiid, I mean, that dude, it's always something with him, too. Oh, I don't like Joel Embiid, to be honest, and it wasn't just because of that thing with Donovan Mitchell a few months back. It's just he's he's way too cocky for me. Like, yeah, just, I was just going to say, he is a cocky SOB. Yeah. <laughs> too much cockiness for so little uh, production, I will say, or at least... I don't want to say production because he's had some good games, but like so little accomplished. There, that's the word I'm looking for. So little yeah, accomplished, and, and he's just like all that. And yeah, and he kind of reminds me of. Um, it kind of reminds me of Demarcus Cousins in a way, where he's just you know he's super vocal. He's he's entertaining to watch because he's talented, but he's just got one of those tempers that he and. He's he has that personality like he's just never going to be wrangled in. I just I don't see him ever really maturing. How old is he? Do you know? Um, early twenties. He's younger than I am. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm like twenty three. It's weird. Like, it's weird that half the NBA is younger than any of us now. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to that point because I uh, oh, he's only barely younger than I am. He's uh, he's twenty. Three going on twenty-four. Huh. He was born in March of ninety-four. Wow. So, he's not that much younger than I am, which is weird to say. Cause yeah, I I passed that age. I went to the you know the nineteen twenty, and it was like yeah, the the guys getting drafted are younger than me now. Yeah. And <laughs> now some of these young stars are younger than me, and it's like. I know, and yeah. do you find yourself calling them kids now? Yeah, I've I've started, I I call Donovan Mitchell a kid all the time now. <laughs> it's just <laughs> little little young punks. But anyway, so moving on with the with the Jazz, I mean, we talk about Donovan Mitchell and you know, he he is the bright spot, but the rest of the Jazz, it's just we don't know what we're getting from the Jazz because we've seen so much you know, part of it's because of injuries. We haven't had a chance to find out what this team is post Hayward, because Rudy Gobert's been out a ton. We haven't been able to see what he can do without Hayward and just everything else. It's just inconsistent. Is is the word that we talked about with the Jazz? Just how little they've been able to really nail down. Because the one week they'll lose to teams like the Bulls or whoever else, and then they'll beat the Celtics and Cavaliers by double digits. Or at least the, they beat the Celtics by double digits. I don't remember the Cavs game, but we just don't know yeah. what we're getting from this team night in and night out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I said uh, in the first episode. I, we just... This is that this is the Jazz team that, that we just... They only play to as good as the team they're playing against. And I don't know why that keeps happening. I mean, we've got a great roster. We just don't have these studs other than, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who, like you said, has been out a ton. So it's, yeah, we it, it's weird. So I, I'm wondering, and I, I kind of just had this thought, I'm trying to think, 
about because one of the things with you know being consistent, you know, look at the Spurs like they've been probably the most consistent team for the last two decades. And maybe you look at other sports, the team like I, you know, I'm a fan of the Patriots, and I know everyone now hates me for saying that, but you know, <laughs> they, they've been a really consistent team in football. And you might think Alabama in college football. I'm not a fan of Alabama, so you can still like me there. But they've built a winning culture. That's the key with those those three teams. They built a winning culture. You know, part of it's having a really good coach, and obviously you got to have talent, um, which the Jazz have some talent. You know, it's it's there in some degrees, not quite as much as the Warriors or other teams. But I think one of the biggest things is just having a winning culture and experience and and experience in the right places. You can't just bring up a bunch of old guys and expect to win games. But with the Jazz, their their key stars have always been a little younger. Like Donovan Mitchell, their leading scorer, is a rookie. He's 21 years old. Uh, Rudy Gobert, he's only 25, I think. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. He's, he was born in 92. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to do the math. 26? Something like that. You know, four years mm-hmm. of experience. Really only three. Because that first year he was in the D-League. And then, you know, Rodney Hood, three years experience. Most of their key contributors for a while have been younger players and they haven't been able to establish a winning culture. And I think that has to do with some of the inconsistencies, especially on the road. Because inexperienced, you know, non-cohesive teams can't win on the road. At least they don't usually. Yeah, well, and the record is indicative of that. We're three and seventeen now. Yeah, so you just you wonder how long it's going to take because it takes time to be able to build this thing up. And I'm trying to look at last year what our road record was. I'm not. I don't think we did too well on the road last year. We didn't, but we didn't do terrible. I can't remember what it was. While you look it up, I, I mean, way like significantly better than we are this year and even better than we were the year prior to that yeah so we were 22 and 19 on the road last year so above 500 winning record on the road (laughs) yeah and we were a playoff team and this year we're what is i can't remember if you said it while i was looking it up Uh, three three and and 17 three and 17 just absolutely insane can't win a road game to save our lives and it's just it does get frustrating because when you look at our our output for road games, it's just our our defense just goes in the tank when yeah, we go on um, the road. I was listening to um, was it twelve eighty the zone out here, and they were saying that we the Jazz are number one defensively at home, and they are twenty I think it's twenty seventh or twenty eighth in the league on the road. Yeah, we're giving up 96.2 points at home. So I guess that's that's first. And 107.5 points on the road. Wow. And, and so it's just this huge drop-off. And when you look at our offensive numbers, they're around the same. Like, we're scoring about four fewer points per game. But when you look at other things like assists, rebounds, shooting percentages, they're all hovering around the same spot. But just when it comes to the our defense... Everything just, we apparently forget that defense is a thing. Like, we leave it at home and decide, yeah, we don't need to take this on the road. 
Yeah, yeah which and... is weird because, uh, and this is where I'm going to give Quinn and the coaching staff a little bit of uh, a harsh time with this is because I, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. He's a patient coach. He knows what he's doing. He has a great basketball mind. I think that his assistant coaches feed off of him and he respects them. But I and I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I don't know if, you know, after these games, Quinn Snyder is really laying into these guys or preaching at practices, hey, defense, 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 which I, I'm sure he is. But is there, like, and like I said, I don't know. But is there a point where Quinn Snyder just literally blows up on these guys and tells them to nut up or shut up? It's like it's weird. It's like we're playing schoolyard basketball, and they look like a high school team up against an NBA team on some of these nights on the road. Yeah, I do think it is the mentality. Yeah, you wonder if coach if Coach Snyder is going to have to do something, but there's not much more that he can do. Like you said, maybe he can just scream at them, but when it comes down to it, these guys do have to perform. Like, remember my high school football coach, he'd say, I can scream and do all the all the stuff on the sideline I want, but when it comes down to it, Quinn Snyder's going to stand next to the bench, and the players have to do something. So, I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, one thought that occurred to me when I was thinking about the defensive inconsistencies is, well, does it have to do with Rudy Gobert? Because I went through and I looked, and Rudy Gobert's been out for, I think, 10 of the 19 road games we've played so far. Mm-hmm. Or I, I wasn't including the Heat in this, in this uh, the Heat game that just happened. So before mm-hmm. the Heat game, it was 10 of the 19 road games. But when I looked through and I looked at the points average per game, or at least allowed, and all the field goal percentages, he hasn't really made a difference on the road. Like the percentages, the field goal percentages are technically down, but they're down by like 1% overall and from three. And the points per game is down by like one. And it's slightly skewed because there was one game where the Jazz gave up 137 points, but even still that's just Rudy Gobert hasn't been a huge impact. So I wonder what did happen with this team from last year that suddenly they they can't perform on the road and I let me look at their yeah last year on the road they were giving up less than a hundred points per game. Well, so. and um, that uh, that has something to do with the absence of Hayward. Hayward didn't get enough credit for the defense he played. He was a very underrated defender. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I think they just haven't quite been able to fill that. Cause I don't know, cause. Joe's not a bad defender, but I guess it was it was him. He was in the starting lineup late last year, wasn't he? I suddenly can't remember. Or yeah, still just I think, yeah at some point he got switched over because um, Hood just wasn't as capable on defense as Joe. Yeah, and I don't know about George Hill. I don't. He didn't strike me as quite the greatest defender. He wasn't bad. So maybe it's just with all the changes they have yet to become a cohesive unit yeah but like but like you said earlier these guys have played enough games together that they should know how to freaking play defense by now like you guys are professional athletes 
and you guys are you guys talk they um, they talk about camaraderie all the time these guys like each other at what point do you, do you guys start holding each other accountable like start yelling at each other hey you know better get your guy you know hedge on this or come over on the screen or go under on the screen you name it man you guys have played i, don't, I can't remember what our record is now what but still, I mean, we are way too far into the into the season for them to not know how to play as a unit. Yeah, we're coming up on the halfway. I mean, we've played 39 games, so two more games and we're at halfway. So right. this this it's, is half the season. It's the it's too little, too late. I mean, I don't know at what point. That, I mean, to be fair, they did play a much better game tonight against Miami. They did, um, but. It just it just baffles me that injuries aside, you guys should be picking up each other's slack. You know, look at uh, the effort Tabo Cephalosha puts in every single night. That dude is just bawling. He is doing everything he can to help us, and nobody else is really helping him. Um, I said it's probably unfair, but still, it seems that way. It just feels like they're slow on defense. Even watching Derek Favors, who's historically been a pretty good defender, but it seems like he's always, or so many times, he's not doing the right help defense. And again, actually watching him against Miami, I saw several good defensive plays from him. Um, but I've seen so many times where he doesn't do the help defense right. He's not quite as good a rim protector as he was earlier in his career, and I can't defend on or can't depend on him to be defending the rim. Though I still love Derek Favors. But just... Mm. Yeah, and I think some of it's just, again, back to the inconsistency where you'll see one night where the Jazz have the best defensive night you've seen. Like, you know, go back to the game against the Wizards, held them to 69 points. And Rudy Gobert wasn't in that game, if I recall right. Although it was also at home. So, Mm. this wasn't the road and so that just overall I think this will be they're going to have to relearn how to be a great defensive team because I think they did they they built up that team they had from the ground up they were just slowly building it together and then it fell apart I think this just this offseason was so just so like so much changed well it it changed because Hayward left we got to remember that the team that uh, we had last year was built for Hayward, and the moves that we made in the off season were to add more depth and make the team better. That was still built for Hayward. Now we have a team that was built for a player that is no longer there. So, I mean, as much damage control as they've tried to do, and it's it's not it's something's not working. Yeah, and so that's why when we talked about it last time, something just needs to change. This the roster does need to be changed because it's it doesn't work. Like you said, it was built for Hayward to be the star. Hayward's not here now. The star is this six foot three, you know, athletic guard. Whereas we built it for a much more methodical Gordon Hayward. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I I think we not only need to rethink the roster, but perhaps just rethink the identity of the Jazz. Because we've been this, like I said, slow, methodical. We had one of the slowest paces in the league, or like the slowest pace in the league last year. 
but we got off efficient shots. We were one of the most efficient offenses last year. And so maybe now it's just time to abandon the identity because now it's not working. The defense isn't there because we don't have the right pieces. And mm-hmm. you, people are talking about now we got to start rebuilding around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Well, that the, it sounds almost a little bit like you had Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan where you had this athletic or you know really good guard and a really good big. And now let's see if we can build an identity where we can build a you know some kind of much more fast-paced you know offense. And we've seen that a little bit with the Jazz where they've done more fast-paced stuff. They've been successful at it. Mhm. At times, you know, they haven't been perfect at it and they they've been averaging a lot of turnovers this year. But we've seen times where they've just gotten out and they've been passing the ball around and they've been able to make it work while not being slow and methodical and just trying to grind everything out and just bore teams to death in order to win games. (laughs) Uh, That's a good way of putting it. No, you're right. It's not who we are anymore. We've got too many quick pieces i mean even joe johnson in his late years i mean he's still he's still pretty agile for his age um and tabo i mean he's right behind joe johnson in terms of age and dude just looks as spry as ever yeah so i I just think that we gotta try and find a way to to make some roster moves and this is another thing we you know trade season's coming around so yeah you look at some of the roster moves we can make, and we talked last week about how uh, Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors, both objectively good players and probably above-average starters in this league at their respective positions. But they're not the right fit for the Jazz. <coughs> Excuse me. My throat's really scratchy. I've been kind of sick, so I want to be just... Well, it is flu season. Yeah, definitely is and the air is not the greatest here yeah be careful load up on your zinc um for those of you dealing with any kind of sickness there's an amazing vitamin cocktail i know this is completely (laughs) off topic but uh echinacea vitamin c and zinc after a good meal if you are sick that shortens it by days it's and it makes you feel so much better it's good not better just more bearable <laughs> That's why it seems all medicine. You just have to like just make it not as bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and and speaking of not as bad, you know, the Jazz <laughs> try and make their their season at least a little better. I mean, there's nothing they can really do. I think to salvage their season, I think unless they reel off a bunch of wins in a row really quick here, or at least in January, I think by the end of January we'll know where this team is going to be at whether they're a lottery team or whether or not they're going to be making an actual playoff push. Yeah, it's... I mean, January obviously isn't getting any more easy because we've got Washington, we have the Hornets. They're pretty much in the same boat we are right now. We have the Pacers, who are surprisingly really good this year. Um, We've got, got Clippers... I don't know. We got Golden State again at the end of the month. That'll be fun. I need to talk to whoever uh, did the schedule for the Utah Jazz. I need to give them a real stern talking to. 
Oh yeah, this, this is just, the most. They were they just like, trudge like dragging us through the mud this year in the month of December and the early part of January. It's just ridiculous. So yeah, I feel like they managed to give us a bunch of hard parts of the schedule and no easy parts. So Ooh. it's just whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It really like. There's a little bit of sprinkling in here. We got um, March looks a little bit easier, but God, you got to make it till March. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I mean by then, you know, like I said, it'll be too late to do anything. If if they've gotten too far behind, I mean, they're what almost ten games under 500 now. They're yeah, I think so. Yeah. They're like 16 and 24, so like eight games behind 500. So <laughs> that's eight straight wins to be maybe the eighth seed because that's about where the the Pelicans are. They're at or around 500. So I think that, you know, being sellers at the deadline is probably something the Jazz really need to take a look at. And I'm worried because I'm not really sure they can get a deal together. Um, because the pieces they're they, looking to sell. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, they they can they can, but it's like, who do we get rid of? I mean, we we don't really have anybody that. I mean, even if you give someone Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors in a package deal, you're not going to get someone like a, you know, a, uh, like an Avery Bradley or what's his bucket that's on the. Timberwolves this year. Why? Why can't I think of his name? Jeff Teague. You know, we're not gonna get. We're not gonna get someone of that caliber for those two players. Yeah, because the thing is that you know, they're um, well. Derek Favors. He's on an expiring contract, which in his case isn't necessarily a good thing because he's in the position where you trade for him and you want to keep him. So that's hard enough. And I'm not sure there are any teams that are wanting point guards that are going to want to trade for Rubio because he, you know, good point guard, but I feel like he's not the kind of point guard that's really going to help you win unless you have a a very specific kind of offense. I don't even know what that offense would be. You'd have to have an offense that fit him perfectly or just a bunch right, of three-point yeah. shooters around him where you can just hide the fact that he can't shoot worth a darn from outside. And I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it's more likely that the Jazz could deal favors, because um, I think there's more teams that could be looking for a decent center. And you know, Derek Favors he's proving very much that he can play center and be productive there, and give you what you want. But it's a it's a half year rental and a non guaranteed that he'll actually stay. So yeah, absolutely, because he's gonna he's gonna want a reasonable sized. <laughs> Uh, contract money and length yeah <clears throat> so I mean I've I've looked around and I've tried out a few different trades I mean I don't I don't remember exactly the ones mostly I'm looking at teams like the the Bucks they might be looking for a center maybe the Cavs um, and there's a few other teams but when you look at these teams they don't necessarily have things to give back that the Jazz would want. Because the the, there's really only two things we're looking at 
I think the Jazz should be looking for, and that's a, a good stretch four or maybe a point guard. And they those things don't exactly grow on trees. And so I'm not sure who exactly we trade with. Um, I thought it's possible that we may end up in a in like a three-team deal because DeAndre Jordan might be going somewhere. It's possible that we might be able to weasel our way into a three-team deal where we like tell the Clippers, hey, you can have Derek Favors and he can replace DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if Clippers fans would want that at all because it might put them back in the same position they were before, but you know, you'd be able to replace that. Maybe we can get something in return, either draft capital or maybe some piece. But yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're, we're this is a very precarious position for um, Dennis Lindsay to try and figure out. I mean, the dude is really good at what he does, so I'm sure that he'll pull something out of his sleeve. But yeah, I mean, there's really no pieces for us to deal other than Eric Favors, because like you said, I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't think anybody's gonna want to take Ricky. Um, at least until, you know, he can prove himself. And like we said in the episode prior, like, I think that, you know, we, we're going to be stuck with him at least for the time we have him. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, um, the Ricky Rubio that they want him to be will become that with either post all-star break or next year, um, which sucks to wait that long. But I mean, end of the day we did just get um we just guaranteed raul Neto a contract throughout the rest of the year where the hell he is i don't know but man i would love to see him come back and we still got um we still got mr injury um dante exum to come back he's done in two years his contract i, I think he might i think he might be a restricted free agent this off season. i can't remember oh is it this off season I think, and we think we pick it up. It might he'll go for another little bit, because um, I think both he and Hood are going to be restricted free agents. Hmm. If, um, if I'm at not this mistaken, point, I would like to see. I'd like to see Rodney Hood go. <laughs> to be quite honest, yeah, he he could be a trade piece because he's a he's a decent shooting guard. He's averaging 17 points per game, and albeit he's very very inconsistent. Um, you know, put him in the right situation. I think there's some teams that, you know, there are people who have paid more for worse, in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me like the, the his inconsistencies reminds me a lot of uh, C.J. Miles when he was here, because C.J. Miles would have these stellar games, and we'd be like, oh yeah, C.J., and then the next two, three, four, five games, he's just like, what, what? Did you forget that you can be really good? I just, oh. But he's another piece we could get rid of. I think we could get some good trade value for him, too, because he's still young, and he and unfortunately, he's been in the league for three years, and he's had plenty of experience. That experience is still, you know, he's still learning in some ways, but at, at three years in the NBA, you should be a pretty complete uh, player, and you should know what you're capable of doing. Yeah, I think that's true, and there and there obviously is room to grow. But yeah, he is kind of who he's going to be for most of his career. He'll be a good scorer, lack some defense, 
He's not to the James Harden level of defense, but he's still not pulling his weight. <laughs> and he's inconsistent. So, but yeah, I, I do agree that we, we can use him as as an incentive as part of the, like, if we're trying to get rid of Ricky Rubio, maybe we can say, hey, Rodney Hood, and yeah, and maybe draft capital. Or maybe sweeten the pot with a Derek Favors trade. Like if if we were trading with the Clippers, maybe they'd want Rodney Hood too. I don't know. I'm not a general manager. It's always hard. Like whenever I talk about proposing trades, it's like, here, how about this trade? And like, let's trade with the Clippers. And the Clippers fans are like, heck no. That's stupid. Because <laughs> I remember it happened once, like Boston, uh, back when they were thinking of trying to trade for Gordon Hayward. I saw this one trade. It was like, um, Avery Bradley, um, I don't know if it was Gerald or Rashid Wallace, one of the guys, last name Wallace, and um, Jeff Green. And what they wanted from the Jazz was Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert, and um, oh, who else was it? Oh, Richard Jefferson. And it was like I looked at that trade and I was like, <laughs> this is back in like Rudy Gobert's rookie year. But it was like, it was one of those stupid trades that fans propose because they don't understand the team that they're trying to trade with. So it, yeah. it's, it's always a very difficult situation when you're trying to propose trades as a fan. Cause we understand our team pretty well. Well, we would like to see, and you know, to some extent the value of our players sometimes we'll overvalue our players, but we kind of understand a little bit about them, but you know, we don't understand the value of other players to other teams. So. Yeah, and we don't have I I know I personally don't have enough time to keep track of other teams and their going ons. I get alerts on my phone every now and then, but still, I mean, I have a busy life as it is. It's hard enough to keep track of what's going on in the jazz world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The one the one player I want to know that I'd like to see in a Utah uniform is Jabari Parker. Cuz I, I think as injury fit. prone as he is, really? Yeah. I mean, I, it is kind of a hope. It's you'd hope that he'd be able to overcome the, the the two knee injuries, but he would fit really nicely as a stretch four. And it's not just because he's LDS and all that. I think he really fits in well with what the Jazz could use at the four spot. Mm. But that injury right. proneness is right. is very much a risk. So, but you know what? We've got Dante Exum. And I'm still putting hope in him, even though you know two season-ending injuries later. So, you never know. Yeah, and I, and I think that's mostly just because we feel for the guy. We just, you know, he's a likable dude, and he does, when he plays, he does pretty good things, especially in the playoffs last year. It's like, oh, cool, this this dude's going to do something good next year. and then, But, yeah, I digress. All right, well, that's that's about all we got for today. Uh, the, again, there's not a whole lot to talk about, about the Jazz except for their inconsistencies and Donovan Mitchell. That's about the only two things we can really talk about at this point because, unfortunately, that's who they are, a very inconsistent team with a lot of injuries and a bright young star in Donovan Mitchell. So I'm not going to shut up about Mitchell for the next year and a half. So. Oh, yeah, I mean – 
neither of I I won't um, the rest of the league won't I mean he's taken the league by storm and that's awesome but man it would be nice to have a solid team to be like hey Donovan Mitchell was really good and the Jazz were pretty good too but we can't say that these past couple weeks yeah it's just it's just the one one good player <laughs> and maybe Rudy Gobert will come back and be the old Rudy Gobert that I've loved ever since I first saw a draft video on him back in like yeah. 2011. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it would be nice. I love, I love me some Rudy Gobert. We we miss Rudy Gobert. Maybe it's start time to think about next season. Just start looking ahead to that. You know, before, actually, before we go, I I wanna. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a uh, was it Utah Jazz diehards on Facebook. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, Jazz just need to tank." Like, that's I, I'm starting to really like tease this idea more and more because <laughs> if we do, then we'll probably you know get something really good out of it. But at the same time, it's like you don't want to watch your team just tank for the sake of tanking like that's why are we throwing in the flag this early into the year Uh, anyways (laughs) i think what needs to happen is we just need to go as we are we'll do bad enough that it won't matter and we'll trade up if we need because some of the talent i think would be nice for the jazz is really maybe four or five spots up from where they'll probably end up if they do like end up in the lottery um should should the season end up going that way where they're projected around now i think um, so just keep going, try and build a team, try and win, try and build a winning culture, because I think that can be more important than just tanking for talent. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, and then you can end up with, because, I mean, Dennis Lindsay's draft day trade picks tend to be better than his just straight-up picks, I mean, with the, with the exception of, like, um, Trey Burke. A lot of the guys he trades for tend to be better than the ones he just straight-up drafts. So. Yeah, well, I mean, he found Kawhi Leonard. Yeah? Yeah, but when he was with the Spurs? Yep. <laughs> he's really good at that. Dude, yeah, he's really good at that. I, I, and like I said, I have I have the almost face in, in Dennis Lindsay. He'll make the right decisions. Um, I think trade deadline's January 15th, or is that when it starts? Is it that early? I think so. I thought it was in February. Oh no! That that okay. It starts January fifteenth and ends uh, either before or right after the All Star break. Yeah, I'll have to try and figure out exactly when it is. <clears throat> February eighth. February eighth. Okay. Yes, and I think it's before the All Star break or All Star game. It used to be after it, but now it's. I think they moved it before. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're not going to be the only team make, uh, trying to make any trades either, so it's going to be an interesting uh, couple weeks. Yeah, so we'll see what we can get through. And I, like you, know, like you, I trust Dennis Lindsay to make the right trades. I said this last time, I haven't really seen a move from Dennis Lindsay that I truly disagreed with. Um, so yeah. Obviously, you'd always like things to be better, but this isn't a perfect world. And things yeah. don't happen in a vacuum, especially not trades. <laughs> so. All right, but that is it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Again, my name is Jason Walker. 
And I'm Trey Sanders. You've been listening to Hashtag Jazz. 